Hi, everyone. Thanks for checking out the Thrive Podcast. We are the Young Adult Ministry at Maranatha Bible Church, and we meet on Wednesdays at 730 in our Family Life Center. If you enjoy this podcast, we'd love for you to post it to your Instagram story and tag us at NBC Thrive on Instagram. Thanks again for joining us, and we hope you enjoy. At a guy named Moses and how he surrendered and what it looked like when he surrendered to God. And then last week we talked about open and closed doors, how to discern open and closed doors. And so if you didn't catch those, obviously we have them recorded, you can listen to them. But tonight, um, and I think next week I know what we're doing, but it's still kind of up in the air, honestly. But uh, tonight we are going to talk about um, in the phrase of I'm not feeling it. And maybe for a lot of you, if you're like me or if you're like most Christians, you have maybe sought out uh, to be obedient to God, and you've went through maybe days or weeks or months or, God forbid, years when you are what? You're just not feeling it. You wrote Drake's song, In My Feelings. You always are in the... You forgot about that one. That was good. That was a really good song. I like that song. Anyway, um, you, you really do get caught up in the feelings. And one day, you get so angry, you're sweating hot for hours. Or in the next moment, you're sad, you're crying, you could fall asleep in your car. In the next moment, you're anxious. And then maybe in the, ne- in the same day, you just binge watch four uh, seasons of, a, of, of your favorite show, and you don't even remember what day or time it is. Next, the next thing you know, it's three in the morning, and you're still like, you know, trying to figure out what you're de- going to do that day. So there are feelings that you and I have, but what I would like you to do is to, uh, maybe you will get this joke or this movie, but remember the flux capacitor, right? You could jump in and, right, and when you would jump in uh, the, the car, you, you can either go back or forward into certain times or seasons of your life and you can remember. And what I would like you to do as we kind of start off here tonight is I want you to go back to when you were just a wee little pup. Just a little gal, little guy, kind of running the neighborhood. And for me, when I jump back or I go back and I remember when I was five or six years old, my schedule, my schedule would, cons- would consist of a few things. Um, I would wake up. Uh, if I didn't have school, I, I mean, whatever I was doing, uh, my mom or dad, I think, were home, maybe not always. I would get up, I would go three blocks over to Tommy's house. I would get to Tommy's house. We would probably start vandalizing stuff pretty early in the morning. Uh, we would go over to so-and-so's house. We'd jump in the swimming pool, and then we'd go over there. And I remember we would, you know, throw underwear at cars. We were just, we were just always on the go, right? And for some of you, you remember certain things. You'd get on your bike. You'd, you know, make some ramps or whatever. you hang out with the girls. You do certain things. But one thing that was true for you, hopefully, when you were young, when you were little, that whatever your parents had asked of you, you knew that you had to do it. That maybe if your parents said, hey, you can leave. I don't know for you guys if this was true, but when I was 12, I would get on my bike and I would, have to, I would go to my friend's house in Magadar. I'd ride about uh, three or four miles on my bike on a, on a summer morning and my mom would say, make sure you're home by eight. That was p.m. So I would be gone all day. And you're like, without a phone? Supervision or nothing. It was, a, it was a rough time for society. I left and I would come home and I just remember thinking if I wasn't going to make it home by eight, I would have to call my mom, I'd have to tell my dad, I would have to do something because I wanted to please them. Well, then what happened when, you know, we hit puberty, hopefully around teenage years, you didn't want to do what they said. 
You thought your parents were crazy. You didn't want to listen to them. You didn't trust them. You thought they hated you. You thought they just, it was the worst, maybe not for all of you. You're like, I love mom and dad. Like, we still tight. But for some of you, you go through seasons where you don't feel like being obedient. And remember the song when you were little, if you grew up in church, only if you grew up in church, you'll know this. Trust and what? Obey. For what? The Lord is the way. To be happy where? And the only Christian knows this song, my man. So that's the song where we would sing. We'd be like, trust and obey. And there was this aspect as a young Christian or a person where you wanted to do what God wanted you to do. You had no ifs, ands, or buts about it. You wanted to please God, and you even felt like it. Like if God told you to do something, you wanted to do it. And tonight, I'm going to talk about seasons and times or even days for some of you where you would say, I know God wants me to do something, but I don't want to do it. I know what it is, but I'm not really feeling it. I have no ambition to be obedient to God, and you have reasons. Maybe you felt like the last time you were obedient, you got hurt from something God told you to do and someone did it. You felt like he led you out to dry and you felt like he did not make your paths straight. It says in Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, if you'd pull it up for me. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, trust in the Lord. Some of you got this memorized in every version we got. NIV, ESV, NKJV, KJV, you're like, you want the Hebrew, what do you want? Trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understandings. In all your ways acknowledge him and he will make straight your paths. Mm, amen. I could talk about straight paths, crooked sticks all night, but here's what is true. Tonight, when we're talking about the wonder years, if you're in a spot where we talked about surrender, we talked about open and closed doors, and you would say, we talked about last week where sometimes God makes what he wants you to do more and more clear or relevant or obvious, and you don't have the courage to do so, or you don't feel like it, and that's okay to say. It is okay to say, I don't feel like being obedient to God right now. What am I supposed to do? How, how am I supposed to be obedient to God? When I, I, how am I supposed to trust God, be obedient when I'm not feeling it? How am I supposed to get in my Bible? How am I supposed to give for my first? How am I supposed to make this decision that has repercussions? So I've belabored this point. I believe you know where I am at tonight. And so in Luke chapter 1, uh, we're going to work through the story of Mary and Joseph because we have to. It's December 23rd, and then uh, I'll give you some applications tonight. So uh, Gabriel, in verse 26, was sent from God to a virgin whose name was Joseph. The virgin's name was Mary. Now, uh, Obviously, you don't want a lot of things attached to your name. Maybe you want some things attached to your name. Maybe uh, you don't want to be known as the virgin. Maybe you don't, you know, all these things. Either way, for them, in this time and culture, it would not necessarily be a super positive thing uh, to have that attached to their name, virgin, right? It's like if it was, hey, oh, yeah, that's the virgin guy. Like, that's not necessarily uh, super popular. But anyway, he said, greetings, the Lord is with you. And here's why I underline the Lord is with you. For Mary and Joseph in the wander years or in a season where they are struggling to discern what God is doing for them, where he is leading them, trying to speak to them, God being with you, God being with you is the greatest gift that you can have. 
It seems maybe cliche, it seems maybe irrelevant, but the fact that God is with us, that Emmanuel, he is with us, is the greatest gift. It says in the Bible, if you draw near to God, he will draw near to you. He said, the very first thing, before he even gets into stuff they're going to do, he says, the Lord is with you. She was greatly troubled, obviously. The angel said, do not be afraid, for you have found favor with God. You will receive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. And he will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord will give to him the throne, which is the throne of David. So really the first thing I want you to see is for Mary and Joseph, and any of you who've been to church or heard any Christmas story, heard anything, you would know these facts that God calls Mary and Joseph, gives them a task, and when he gives them this task or assignment, um, it's not necessarily something that is super popular. It's not something that other people would praise. It is something that they would feel inadequate. I can't do this. Um, They would feel like they are alone, right? Because in a sense, we'll see here in a second, a lot of people just think they're crazy. Like if you were to show up and be like, hey, I want to tell you something. I haven't had sex, but I'm pregnant, no, mom, I swear, I didn't do it, I didn't do it. That, you, I mean, you're getting sent somewhere quick. And so just imagine what that would look like, right? Um, just logically, that doesn't happen. So anyway, the very first thing he says is, the Lord is with you and don't be afraid. And every single, the last two weeks and this week, every time in the passage it says, do not fear. Don't be afraid. Because when God is guiding you or leading you, fear is the first emotion or feeling that you and I would have. You would feel trapped up and paralyzed. Verse 34, next one. Mary said, how will this be since I am a virgin? Phenomenal question. Phenomenal. I mean, just, just logistics, just kind of feeling, just like, hey, well, uh, like that ain't a thing. And honestly, for someone to have a baby, what has to happen? You guys, ah, sex. Yes, you have to have sex to have a baby. That's the thing. You're like, really? Where's that? Flipping Bible. Uh, Here's the thing. She says, how will this be since I'm a virgin? It is, God is not intimidated by your questions. It doesn't bother him how dumb they seem to you, how simple they feel to you. Maybe it's like, man, I've asked God this a thousand times. I've burdened him with this. I've come to him. How will this be since I'm a virgin? God is not intimidated by that. And the angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child will be called the Holy, the Son of God. For nothing, is impo- nothing will be impossible with God. And Mary said, behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be done to me according to your word. A few things to point out here. Obviously, she is seeking to do whatever God has asked her to do. I mean, if I had a tenth of a percent of a heart that Mary had to be obedient to God, I think I would be good. And in, in, in looking at what God is calling her to do, it looks irrational, it looks foolish, it's going to mess up her life in a lot of ways. And, it, and, and obviously for her, she doesn't, she's not able to see the future. So it's not like the crystal ball comes out, and it's not like God said, hey, the next nine months is this, and then after that, this is going to happen. I'm going to give you this. He gives her the promise of, I will be with you, and he says, do not be afraid, the angel says. 
for nothing is impossible with God. And her only response is, I am a servant of the Lord. She doesn't say, I am a servant of, and you would fill in whoever that person is for you. Maybe for some of you, you would say, I'm a servant of my girlfriend or boyfriend. I'm a servant to my parents. I'm a servant to my boss, or I'm a servant to this individual, and whatever they say goes, and that is the person who holds the most weight for you. They hold it, and and you would say you want to serve God, but this person has a driving factor, and you want to fear God, but you fear this person a little bit more. Mary says, I am a servant of the Lord. Let it be done to me according to your word. God, whatever your word says, wherever it leads me, wherever it guides me, I'm a servant for you. No matter what it looks like to the people around me, no matter how irrational this will seem, even if I'm, and in a sense, even if I'm not feeling it, God, I am a servant of you. Verse 39, I believe. Mary went with haste into the hill country and greeted Elizabeth. Now, when you have something in your life happen, okay, let's say something significant. Let's say you get pregnant and you're a virgin. No, I'm just kidding. Let's say uh, something happens where uh, the boyfriend or girlfriend breaks up with you, the career that you had went to college for, you spent $79,000, you got done, you got a job, you hate the job, and now you're, you're stuck. You don't know what to do. Let's say something major happens in your life. There are people Maybe there's one person that pops into your head that you would go to. When something significant happens, for some of you are like, what if I get my Christmas present that I always wanted? What if I get the car? What if I get the phone? If you get something, you meet up with someone, you call someone, you say, I have to tell you something. This is what Mary is doing. Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. She exclaimed, blessed are you among women and blessed is the fruit of your womb. Why is this granted to me that the mother of my Lord should come to me? Blessed is she who believed that there would be a fulfillment of what was spoken, of, spoken to her from the Lord. So I'm going to talk about this here in a second, but one thing I want to make very, very clear. Last week we talked about how uh, Moses was in the wilderness with these people, and when he would question God, they would actually be the type of people who made him feel like it was worse than it was. They were negative, they brought misery, they brought, they, they brought foolishness, and they, there's people that you and I will go to make it worse when you bring up the situation. And they'll say, well, what about this, or what about this, or what about this? And as you talk to them, you get more and more anxious. Mary, Mary, find someone who does the exact opposite. Not someone who praises you for doing wrong things or making wrong decisions, but someone who looks at her situation and says, blessed are you, why is this granted to me that you should come to me? They count it a blessing. That when you talk to them, when you bring up your situations, they would look at you and say, I am here for you. I'm here to talk. I'm here to listen. I'm here to be whatever you want me to be or need me to be. I'm here to champion you. That Mary needed an Elizabeth, and so do you. You need someone who is able to come alongside and actually look at your situation and say, I am here for you that it counts me a blessing to be a part of this. Verse 46, 
<clears throat> Mary said, and this is how she replies, which is, we'll get practical here in a second. My soul magnifies the Lord and my spirit rejoices in God, my Savior. He has looked on the humble estate of his servant. Man, from now on, all generations will call me blessed. He who is mighty has done great things for me in his holy name. And here's what I want to make a point here. It is not, it is not arrogant, it is not prideful to understand that God has been working in your life. To say, he has done great things for me. That he has worked in my life. That, some, that it is a false humility to, to always push and push. And, and some of us will just, you don't even know what someone's thanking you for. And what do you say? You're like, God's glory, man. God's glory. God's glory. Hey, thanks. God's glory. And you can't even take any, uh, any at least thankfulness or someone looking to give you praise in any regards. She acknowledges great things for me and his holy name. His mercy is for those who fear him. I believe, next slide. He has shown strength with his arm. He scattered the proud in the thoughts of their hearts. He brought down the mighty from their thrones, exalted those of humble estate, and he has filled the hungry with good things. And here's the kicker. He, sent, he has sent away, he, the rich he has sent away empty. Here's what is, is totally true about Mary and Joseph and about you and I. Humility and fearing God is evidence of trust. It's sometimes hard to see trust. It's hard to put your hands on it. It's, it's hard to understand how do I know when I'm trusting God, trusting the Lord with all your heart. How am I supposed to know if I'm trusting God in this situation? Evidence, evidence is humility and fearing God. That I'm a servant of God and that I fear him more than anyone else, and that this is for me and his holy name. See, the crazy thing about Mary, the crazy thing about Moses and their lives, that God used them, and while God was using them, it was never about them. It wasn't about the things that they were doing, it was about the people that they were going to bless because of what they were doing. It was never about their name being written in the pages. It was never about us talking about Mary and Moses. It was about what they were going to do for God and how he was going to use their life for other people. You see, if God is trying to use your life and use my life, it will never just be about me. And go back to the previous slide right at the end. The rich, he has sent away empty. Emptiness. And loneliness is one of the greatest gifts God can give you. Emptiness and loneliness is one of the greatest gifts God can give you. Because when you're empty, you what? You need him. That we would seek to be filled in Christ. That he, he fills the hungry with good things, but the rich, the people who, and what he's saying is not that you can't have a lot of money and that you should be poor. That's not what he's saying. He's saying if you are in such a state of position in life to where you don't need God, God might just bless you enough to say, hey, I want to make you really lonely and really empty because in those moments is when you will come back to me. That is, a, is actually a gift from God. It is not a burden and it is not a curse. So how I want to transition here after I read, I want to talk about seven quick things as we've walked through this chapter about how to trust God or how to be obedient to God when you're really not just, you're just not feeling it. 
Maybe it's Christmas times getting to me. I don't know. Maybe it's the doom and gloom. Maybe it's the, you know, the sun's down at three in the afternoon. I don't know. But how are you and I supposed to be obedient to God when you're just not feeling it? And so, number one, um, embrace who you are. Embrace who you are. So there's a balance to this. There's two different sides. Um, I'm not going to embrace just who I am. I, t- I think I talked about it a little bit last week. Just who I am, that the sinful side of me. Right? If I'm just a little bit angry, I'm a little bit irritated, or I'm a little bit impulsive, oh, it's just who I am, right? It's just, you know, I'm an aide, whatever. It's not, it's not the aspect of embrace who you are. But you embrace who you are, she does, in verse 26 and 46, where, I mean, being, being labeled a virgin is not necessarily the name tag you want. It's not like in your bio. You know what I'm saying? It's like Mike Duma, virgin, right? I mean, you know, I'm married, but I would never put that. But you know what I'm saying? Like, that, that's, that's not what you want. But think about it. She embraces who she is. And her identity for her is she is going to fear the Lord. She embraces who she is. One of the worst things you and I can do is when we are in wandering seasons is to um, resent who God has made us to be, how he's gifted us. And this can look in a ton of ways. I can resent a lot of things about myself. And so can you. I'm sure you got things about you that if we knew, we'd be a little nervous you're here. Right? We'd be like, eh, I don't know about them. There are things about me and things about you that you don't really want anyone to know. And God knows. God knows. And he wants to redeem anything nasty about you and he wants to use you. He wants you to come just as you are. That God knows who you are. He knows how you are. And that is part of his love. He wants to use the, the messed up version of you. I bet Mary, I bet Mary shows up to Elizabeth. This is conjecture. She has 98 reasons she should not be the one. I bet she's got stuff about her past. I bet she's got things that she's not really godly. I bet she didn't even have a quiet time that day. I bet she didn't even go to church. I bet she's like, I don't even tithe. Like, I bet there's things about Mary that she's kind of like, God can't use me. But when you embrace who you are, God is able to use you. He really is. Number two, when you're not feeling it, choose to praise and thank God. This sounds really simple, really cliche, really like, yeah, we know, like, you know, praise and thank you, God, thank you for the day. But pull up 1 Thessalonians 5, uh, 16 uh, to 19, it should be, yep, thank you. Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. And do not quench the spirit. And the, the weird thing about, in this text, quenching the spirit um, is connected to um, not giving thanks and not rejoicing and not praying. That the spirit, you know, we're starting to talk about the spirit. Everyone's a little bit nervous, right? You're like, eh. Uh, you start talking about the spirit. Everyone gets a little weird. But the spirit wants you to pray. He wants you to be thankful And he wants you to rejoice. He wants that for you. That if you want to walk by the Spirit, that you would look at your situation and say, this isn't where I want to be. This isn't how I would like it to be. But God, thank you for where you have me. Thank you that I'm not where I used to be. Thank you that I'm at least 
at this point in the stage. God, thank you that you've given me opportunities. And you're like, opportunity? I ain't got nothing. Between them two people, I don't want to date either one. I got no opportunities. I got no job that I want. I got no career path I want. God, would you make it clear to me? But being thankful changes your heart of complaining and grumbling to thankfulness and pursuit of what God wants you to do. It truly does. Rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. Give thanks in all circumstances. And that doesn't seem like a, how do I want to phrase this? This doesn't seem super spiritual and also praiseworthy, right? So it's like, how, like when someone's like, yeah, I found the will of God. What was it? Just praying and giving thanks. So what's your calling in life? Will of God. Honestly, just rejoicing always. Cool. Where'd you apply? The Bible. I don't know. You're just trying to figure it out. When you're th- pursuing the will of God, this doesn't seem extremely just, just public, I would say. It just seems quiet and mundane. Go back to number three. I think I skipped it. Act on God's promises as if they've already happened. So when Mary says that she is going, that as it is according to God's word, she will do. Let it be done to me, she says. And what is true about people who follow and pursue God, when they know something is true about God, they are able to act as if it's already true. And this isn't something weird. So we're not, I'm not looking in the future. I ain't got the crystal ball out. I ain't got the eight ball out. I'm kind of just, you know, we're not, we're not doing that. But what are we doing? We are looking at the aspect when God says, I am with you. That's a promise I can act on. When it says, fear not, that's a promise I can act on. When it says, do not be anxious about what? Anything. That's a promise I can act on. That I can look and say the type of people God uses are those who humble, those who are humble and those who fear him. That's a promise I can act on. That when it says this is God's will for you, that you would be thankful, that is a promise I can act on. So Mary, Mary and Joseph, guaranteed, guaranteed, had more fear than you've ever felt, had more uncertainty than you've ever experienced, had more doubts than you've ever had come into your mind about what God had called them to do, where they were going, and yet, and yet, they still did it. See, even when God wants you to obey, it's not that he needs absence of doubt, absence of fear, absence of anxiety, absence of everything. It's that you do it in well-knowing God is going to be with me in it. That that is the promise I'm able to act upon. Number four, when you're not feeling it, seek out good company. Again, talked about Mary going to Elizabeth. And this is why this is extremely, extremely important for you and for me. The people you go to and the people you talk to have tons and tons of weight upon your decisions, don't they? And you don't want to make it just to where you just seek out people who are always telling you how great you are, how good you look, how smart you are. Everybody's stupid but you and, you know, there's dumb and you got this and, you, you know, there's a balance to that. That you don't want to just get caught up in, like I said, the bad version or sinful side and the people who will praise that. But Mary, Mary specifically runs with haste or um, quickness to Elizabeth because she realizes she cannot do these types of seasons alone. You just can't. 
The more you're in wander years, difficult seasons, difficult times, the more you're in them alone, the harder they are, the more lies you believe, and the longer you stay there. It's just the more you're alone because you're in your head, you're in your thoughts, you're thinking too much, you get caught up, you're double-minded, you start believing things that aren't true, and then next thing you know, you're talking to yourself out of craziness and you don't even know how you got where you are. That once she is in it, it is with haste. She doesn't wait six months. She doesn't wait a year. Right when she finds out, she goes with haste to Elizabeth. Number five, when you're not feeling it. Remove impossible when it comes to God's glory. So um, she says, or the, the angel says that, that this type of thing, that her being pregnant is, is not impossible with God. For nothing is impossible with God. Only two times in scripture does it say uh, nothing is impossible with God. The first one is right here. It's in Luke chapter 1. talks about uh, a virgin giving birth to a son. The second time is when they looked at Jesus and said, how could a rich person be saved? And he said, for nothing is impossible with God. That if a rich person can get saved, anyone can get saved, that nothing is impossible with God. Now, if it is about me and about my future, about you and your future, is it impossible? A hundred percent. That if it's simply about me amongst my power and my people and the things I can do, man, I barely wake up on time, right? How many of you been late to work this week? Right? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Some of us are like, yeah. So we, we barely can wake up we barely remember when, to, when we're supposed to eat. Uh, you didn't know your schedule. You didn't know you had nine things to be at tomorrow, and your mom's going to light you up if you're not at all 19 of them. Uh, eight things, not 19, whatever. Um, it's, it's hard enough to manage our own lives, isn't it? And so that's why I need God, and when he's called me to something that I am unable to do unless he is with me. Following. That it is, I am not able to do it unless God is with me. Remove impossible. Look at situations, and a lot of you would say, there is no way that this is redeemed. There's no way that this situation is restored. There's no way this family is going to make it through Christmas without killing someone. Some of you are like, my aunt will light someone up. You know what I'm talking about. It's not, I'm not talking about getting through Christmas meals, but you know what I'm saying, when it comes to God's glory, remove impossible. Number six, stay on course until God says something different. And so Mary and Joseph, as they're going through, and if we had time, we'd look at all the stories in the three different accounts. And theirs is really going here, checkpoint. God tells them, go here, checkpoint. Go to here, checkpoint. Bethlehem, go here. Uh, go. There's all these different points into where God will lead them and guide them. But you stay on course until God says something different. And, and not getting weird in the sense of you need a, you need a voice from heaven, you need the, the flame in the night, the cloud in the day. Uh, after we had talked last week, I kept thinking about when I was driving around, uh, thinking about the whole like fire, in the day, or fire at night. And I just think that that would be absolutely amazing. I mean, I don't know if it's just me. It probably is just me. But anyway... Um, Stay on course. If God's told you to do something, if you feel that he has led you somewhere and it is difficult, you're in the wonder years, it's hard. Just because it's hard doesn't mean he wants you out right now. Stay on course until he leads you or guides you into something different. Number seven, 
because I'm all about the word embrace right now, all the time. Embrace necessary endings. Necessary endings. So um, Mary's life, um, super young uh, girl, her life in a lot of senses for her probably felt like it was ending. I mean, just think about it. And for Joseph, I mean, he probably thinks a lot of the things he had planned, hopes and dreams, career, where he was going, I guarantee, guarantee, he felt like a lot of this is ending. And I believe that in order for you to find out what God wants you to do, a lot of times you have to embrace that something is ending in order for God to start something. In order for something, to a door to be opened, in order for God sometimes to, to see if you're actually serious, he needs to see you embrace something that needs to end, something that needs to stop. And like I said, could be for some of you, the relationship that you've been in that you should have not been in from the start needs to stop. For some of you, you would say, all right, I got this. I will quit. I will quit December 31st at 11.59.59. That you will quit. That you will say, I'm done doing this in the evenings. I'm done doing this with my buddies at work. I'm done doing this when, you know, or whatever it may be for you. But if you're not feeling it and you want to be as obedient as Mary and you want to get out of the wonder years, I think embracing necessary endings is something that we don't talk enough about. That you have to say, God, I know that this is hard. I don't know my next step. You haven't made my next step clear to me. You haven't told me what my next step is. And as we talked about last week, taking one step for us, leaning forward and not knowing what the next one is, but letting go is risky, it's hard, and it causes faith. It's not blind. It's not blind, but it's not calculated. It's not having the certainty and embracing necessary endings, I think, is something we need to get way, way better at and not knowing what the next step is. It says in Acts 20, 24, Paul says, I do not account my life of any value, nor as precious to myself, if only I may finish my course in the ministry that I received from the Lord Jesus to testify to the gospel of the grace of God. You have a job, maybe. <laughs> you have an assignment, I believe, from God. That you, he has a plan for your life. He has a purpose for your life. Again, it's not a cliche. It's not something that we just talk about. He has something he wants you to do. He has somewhere he wants you to be. In people he wants you to be with. And in the midst of us being in the wonder years, or if you are, seeking to honor God and obey God, even when you're not feeling it, trust, humility, and fear were the things that sustained Mary and Joseph, even when they probably didn't feel like it. God, I trust you. I choose, I choose to fear you more than I fear that individual. God, that I don't account my life of any value or dear or precious to myself, only if I may finish my course in whatever you've given me to do. Would that be your prayer and would that be mine? God, we thank you for tonight and we thank you for Mary and Joseph. 
And God, the, the story that um, we are able to see uh, a part of them and what they do. And God, obedience um, often feels small and insignificant. It feels like it's unseen a lot of times. And maybe for us, even when we're not feeling it, we would fight um, maybe our hearts to obey and to submit to you. God, would you guide us? And even around this time of year, God, whatever decisions we may have, would you make it clear and evident where you want us to be, who you want us to be around, and what you want us to do? God, we ask that on our end, on our end, would we be humble? Would you help us to fear you? And God, would you make obedience, despite what we feel, a little bit easier? God, would you make it obvious? And Lord, we just give this night to you, God. We are thankful for you. We are thankful for your word. And Lord, we just ask that you would speak to us. We pray this in your name. Amen. Would you stand as we sing a few more songs?